One of the best food scenes in the country, right here in Minnesota. And nobody knows it like magazine food critic and James Beard Award finalist, Jason DeRussia. Now bringing you the most interesting people and hottest trends. Let's listen in as DeRussia Eats. Welcome to DeRussia Eats. Glad to have you with us today for this episode about the butcher and the grocer. Two women in the spotlight for DeRussia Eats today. First, a woman who owns a butcher shop, maybe an unusual combination, but Tita Matson talks about why she thinks women have an advantage in this traditionally male business. She owns Anoka Meats in the north suburbs of Minneapolis. Plus, Jill Holter, who I've known for a long time, just a great advocate for local food. She's working with one of the oldest co-ops in the country. Some of you who are listening to this from all around the U.S. may not know exactly what a co-op is, but there's a real culture of these co-ops in Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, in a world of giant corporate grocery stores. There is something special about that co-op culture here in Minneapolis. Jill works with the Wedge. Uh, a co-op that is adjusted with the times and adjusted to increased competition, of course, in the grocery space, whether it's from Target or Walmart or Costco, on and on and on. Uh, interesting conversation with two interesting women, the butcher and the grocer, in this episode of Russia Eats. Today, our guest owns a butcher shop in Anoka. If you have a mental image of the butcher shop owner in Anoka, Minnesota, small town Anoka, you may not picture Tina Anderson, but she is with us here today. Tina, it's so great to have you here. Jason, thank you for having me. It's gorgeous today out here. Are people surprised when they go to the butcher shop and the owner is a woman? I think initially, yes. (laughs) Now that I've been around for... Now they know. Yeah, now they know. I've kind of made a splash. Um... Women just aren't the typical butcher shop owner. And uh, it's surprising how many women do work in the butcher shop business, though. It, it is. Yeah. Well, maybe it shouldn't be surprising, right? But I, uh, when I was working at WCCO-TV, I did a story on the St. Paul yeah. uh, meat shop yep. that had, I don't know, three or four different women meat cutters yeah, there. Yeah, about a third of my workforce is women. So uh, really, they handle a lot of the day-to-day stuff even though our processors in the back are kind of do some of the heavy lifting, but a lot of it's done by, uh, by the women in the front, but business development, marketing, we, we do get our knives out occasionally and we carve a tenderloin. Uh, we do a lot of custom cuts, so we all have to be able to do, you know, a little piece of it. You have an interesting background yeah. that got you to being a butcher shop owner. Yeah. Uh, but you grew up in a hunting family, right? Yep. Where did you grow up? I grew up up by Alexandria. And so I went to school in Glenwood for a number of years. A lot of people might know Lake Minnewaska area. And then Elbow Lake, Minnesota is where I graduated from. Mm. And I was just up there last week and teaching a LEFSA demonstration. So my <laughs> Nordic roots. <laughs> yes. You can never get away from those, uh, those Nordic and Scandinavian specialties. Yeah. Right? And I, was, I, for years, made uh, Swedish potato sausage at home. So when I was looking for another opportunity after I have a food blog called Sweet Tea's Kitchen. That's on Facebook, of course. I'm just learning the TikTok thing, so I know, right? you'll be really underwhelmed if you, if you find me on TikTok, because <laughs> I'm just learning. A lot of food trends, though, start on TikTok. I, yeah. I've always thought it would be a, a good business for somebody. It's a lot of inspiration. You right. find a lot of inspiration there. Would this work? You tell me if this would work. Yeah. A restaurant where you have, like, where it's like a counter service restaurant, but 
you have like TV monitors with a live camera above. Yep. And it's all the TikTok food trends. Where like you wouldn't have to do it at home, but you could just go to the TikTok restaurant. Yeah. And you could get like whatever the let's the, make that happen right and you could, <laughs> visually in the place you'd see the person doing it yep i don't know i think there's a business there although maybe no one wants to know what these things actually taste like right that could be too sometimes you wonder is well, it sometimes any good you have a fail right oh the fails are the most entertaining they are but, really fun yeah you started uh you were food blogging you yep. had your own barbecue sauce yep I, you've been, had many different businesses yeah right? well i was i come out of the construction industry and i it was sort of left the corporate world um and at, at 50 i decided to buy a business so i did a major reinvention of myself what what, what led you down that path um you know i think it was sort of a midlife change yeah. I had a lot of skill sets that I quite of there's business development, accounting, marketing, I wore a lot of different hats. But my passion had kind of developed in the food on the side. Were and you feeling was there like a you just felt incomplete? Well, yes, definitely. I was I was so searching for what I wanted to do with the rest of yeah. my life. And I wrote a cookbook, I started a salad delivery company, I started branding my own barbecue sauces and how the meat fits into that fits into that is you can't just go to the grocery store and buy a brisket. You can't go to the grocery store and, and hand pick out your ribs. Right. Um, you know, if you want right. spare ribs versus baby back ribs. And I do a lot of unique uh, recipes. So when this landed in my lap, I was like, oh, it was really bad timing the first time around. Uh, my mom was passing away. We were moving. Um, and the business actually sold to someone else. And then it came around back to me, this person who was buying the business couldn't get the deal done. I think they were trying to buy two businesses at once, and it came back on the market. Oh, interesting. And then the business broker reached out to me, and it landed in my lap that second time, and it almost felt like divine intervention. Like, wow. okay, somebody in the it's universe time. is speaking. Yeah. yeah, let's let's do this. So Tina Anderson is with us. She is the owner of Anoka Meat and Sausage, bought it in 2022. Uh, but the business has been around... But well, the original one is was from what eighteen eighty three. Yeah, like one hundred twenty five years. What is the role of a butcher shop oh, uh, in a town like Anoka? It's such a precious gem, um, and that's you know my awareness is just to let, uh, have people understand what a luxury it is to have to be able to walk in and get a three inch ribeye. Uh, if you're looking for a flat or or a whole brisket, if you're looking for that crown roast, anything specialty items that you can't find. Uh, is really what we're there for. And I wanted to continue that legacy of being able to have a fresh deli and get, you know, natural preservative-free products to the consumer and really have locally sourced food available. It is also, I think, like the fact that you're in Anoka, which has such a hometown feel, all those local shops and restaurants, and there's even a speakeasy right on Main Street. Yep. if you didn't have a butcher, butcher shop, it, I don't know, it would feel a little off to me. It would for me, too. And I, I grew up in a small town where at Christmas time, my mom and I would go to the little local grocer called Nelson's in Evansville. It's not there anymore. What a shame. But we would handpick out our lutefisk. Huh. And it was like those experiences and being able to pass on some of those uh, traditions is really important to me what do what are your biggest sellers what do people mostly come to anoka meats for? hands down beef it's beef yep but we sell so many and different... where do you get your beef from uh, we have some local farmers that we work with but we also uh, work with j&b meats or a wholesaler out of st michael yeah uh, we're not a kill shop anymore 
Um, What's so that mean? It means a locker where you would ah. bring a cow into or, and have us butcher it. We still do all our own meat slicing, but we'll have it available from a wholesaler to bring it in. And uh, we still process deer. We smoke. You Not know. as many places process deer Correct. anymore. Correct. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's a little dicey. Why, why is it? Well, you can't carry certain hides and stuff across state lines, and mm. there's testing that has to be done. So if there's any kind of disease that they know that they can locate it, that herd, huh. um, and narrow it down. But we're still around, and uh, we are coming up in a deer season here in a right. couple months. Right. Turkey season's coming up. We do uh, a lot of smoking of fish for people. Um, so we smoke tons of ribs, too. But the game in the fall is really a big process. We, do, we process everything in our shop. It's got to be crazy. It is. We do, it's a dance, definitely. Is it, <laughs> is it hard to find people with the expertise or yeah, with the talent is. or the desire to do it? Well, I think the hardest part is it's for a few weeks of the year. Uh, um, so you need everybody. You have, you have too many people or you don't have uh, enough constantly in our where, business. Where do people go to learn you know, to learn to be a butcher? Well, I really think, um, you know, some of the grocery stores have their own apprenticeship programs and, uh. and things like that. But the butchering schools that my manager, Jay McCarthy, went to in Pipestone is closed. Um, there are two locations. I think one's in Wilmer and one's in Brainerd. They're trying to uh, resur- get a resurgence back into the industry because it is kind of a lost art form. Huh. Yeah. And... Um, Oddly enough, I've kind of partnered up or met three other <laughs> women butchers, women-owned butcher shops in the state of Minnesota that we're kind of creating a network with uh, um keep this going, the food trends going, and, and these little local yeah, shops that provide such so cool. you know, lots of luxurious items. Do you think a woman as an owner of a butcher shop or a woman butcher, do they do it differently? I think we have a different eye for detail. Uh, we do, I know that for sure women, and I don't mean this to be insulting, yeah, though. Yeah, right, of course. Because <laughs> we need men um, there we, for a lot of things. But we have a, a special way with customers. We can listen a little bit differently. Um, well, well, sometimes people are a little intimidated or nervous yeah, when yeah, they go into a butcher definitely. shop. Definitely. You know, it's for, like a lot of first-time um, enthusiasts who want to get pork belly, but they don't know if they need a skin on pork belly uh-huh. or a skinless pork belly. And those are things that we can help with. Cool. And have a conversation about it. We're going to continue our conversation right there because I want to talk about the different kinds of uh, orders, I guess, that you wish people would ask for more often. Yeah. So the cuts. The old school stuff. The old school stuff. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Plus sausage. I know you guys make all your own sausage up there at Anoka Meats, right in the heart of Anoka. Uh, Tina Anderson is our guest. She is the owner. It is 420. Derusha Eats continues in just a minute here on CCO. It is 424. This is DeRussia Eats. Jason DeRussia here with Tina Anderson, the owner of Anoka Meats and Sausage. We thank Liquor Boy for their support of DeRussia Eats. We are live at the State Fair. Tina, thanks for coming Thank uh, to see us at the fair. Yes, sir. Is it weird to be here without any without no, all the crowds? It's actually lovely. It's nice, isn't <laughs> you it? You can park and walk and see and you some of the restaurants are open. This is just great. Yeah, it's pretty good. Do you like the State Fair? Yes, I do. Yeah. I don't like it when it's 100% humidity and 90 degrees. But, <laughs> so this is just... I don't think that's a controversial <laughs> opinion. I think right. most people don't uh, like it in that weather. Before we went to the break, uh, I asked about the cuts of meat yep. that you wish people would ask for. Yeah. What, what are some of your suggestions of things? Well, we carry some specialty products that, you know, like pecanas, tri-tips, um, 
hanger steaks, flat irons. They're not always in our fresh case, but they're really delicious and unique cuts. And what is what is the picana? Because people see it sometimes at those Brazilian steak. Yeah, houses. it's great. It's got it's a sirloin with a fat cap on it. And so when you sear that fat cap on the grill, or you smoke it, and then you slice it when kind of medium rare, um, it's just delicious. And all you need is a little salt and pepper on it. Uh, a texter asked about porterhouse steaks, yeah. saying it's, it's hard to find. We have porterhouses every single day, fr- fr- cut on the, cut, fresh cut on the daily. <laughs> what, is, what is the number one cut that people want when it comes to beef? Well, we kind of sell all things equally, but what we're known for is two different things. Uh, we're known for our butter steaks, and they're also known for the three-inch ribeyes. So the ribeyes, the porterhouse, the big prime ribs, people come in looking for those big cuts of, me- of meat. Beef prices has sort of gone through the roof yeah. since COVID. Has it's, it stabilized, or what are It you- is a little bit more stable right now. Um, they kind of settled down a little bit. It really scared me last year. Is it just people were cooking at home more, or uh, there was more demand for protein, or well, what? I think what was that it? There was a lot more people during COVID that became like smoking enthu- mm, enthusiasts and looking yeah. for that pork belly, um, the big briskets, that kind of stuff. But I would say the majority of our customer is just an average home cook who loves their beef. They want fresh, preservative-free, hormone-free meat, chickens, pork, yeah. beef. Uh, but we also have a full deli, and so a lot of people really come in looking for our uh, Boar's Head Deli, which is natural, preservative-free. So we yeah. cut everything the way you want it there. That's cool. Another thing smokers like is they want to get like a three or four-pound bologna. They like to smoke those. That's kind of a new trend. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I know. Where did that come from? I don't know if that was a TikTok thing or... Uh, Smoke bologna. Yep. That sounds good. I'm sure it's got to be great. I've I had... Th- I mean, there are some restaurants in Minnesota that serve old-fashioned yeah. style bologna sandwiches yep. and they're it's delicious absolutely I've had it's not like the oscar meyer that no people think no about. no and it's it's really good i mean they have a hard a hard salami that after i tasted i said i never ne- i never need to eat another salami again yeah tina anderson owns anoka meats and sausage you you guys uh, make your own sausage we do we make our own sausage we have chicken sausage and turkey sausage fresh and smoked so if you're one of those people that aren't into nitrates or something like that we make our own beef sticks. We make our own jerky. Is that the? Are, are people really asking questions about additives and nitrates and what's in it, or like, do people just like to know? No, 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 no. That yeah, there's not a lot. Two of different stuff. things. You know, we have like our gluten-free users. They want to make sure that there's no gluten in something. Sure. Um, and then we have, you know, some people who are just very sensitive to what everything is in their food. And if you're sensitive to something, they're just very educated on what their bodies can't take. So we try to make sure we've got lots of options. Pork, is it still the chop? I know people oh, love yeah, a pork chop. Oh, yeah, cut chops. We have a seasoned they, oh, chop. It's so good. We do stuffed chops. Bone in. Yep, bone in. Yeah. We've got four or five different cuts of fresh chops out on, on the case on the, every single day. Uh, road construction has been a big issue. Oh, I, I live in Maple Grove. You're right off 169. Don't I, get me I, started, Jason. <laughs> has that affected your business? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that we're very much a destination market, so our weekends are super strong. Mm. But during the week, the commuters just don't want to get up. We're under a two-year project. And once they hit the highway, that's like get me your time. Your timing for buying this business has been lovely. Oh, yeah. It's right been in the a middle of a two-year road sure. construction project. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, I think... 
we've been around for 125 years, so people really know who we are and what, what our products are, our quality, our consistency, so they keep coming back. It's just uh, during the week, our local you know people are just trying to get out of town. They drove everybody right through downtown Anoka for the last year and a half. Mm. And all the small towns, even down, downtown, if I can encourage anybody to stop in and see them, um, they hurt too because there's nowhere to park. So anything you can do to go on your lunch hour or, or if you're taking a vacation, small, yeah. mm-hmm, yes. stop on your way through town. Tina Anderson is the owner of Anoka Meats. Uh, before we go, we want to know your recommendations. Ooh. Give us uh, three uh, restaurants or, oh. or uh, that, that you like sure. that you think our listeners should go check out? I like out. this. I'm an old-fashioned steakhouse kind of gal, so I still love Marie's. Uh, their Chateaubriand carved table side is still one of my very, so very good. favorites. <laughs> Marie's still gets it done. They do. Yep. And I love their, the, the, you know, their bread toast that they put out and that kind of thing. Pat um, Mancini is right across the street. He's going to kill you I for saying I parked right Murray's, in front of Mancini's right there, and I'm like, oh, dang. Pat I love says Mancini's. it's okay. You're allowed to say okay, Murray's. Okay. You're good to go. <laughs> is that the thumbs up you, I just got? You got the thumbs up, right. yeah. Um, little local place, though, that's a little more mom and pop. That's cool. Got a nice drink and a lot of uh, great menu options. It's in Hanover, Minnesota, called the River Inn. Ah, yes. I love that place, too. It's nice. a whole different vibe uh, for a real fancy place. I just celebrated my anniversary at P.S. Steakhouse. That was pretty good. They do a nice job, yeah. don't they? Yeah, I love the ambiance in there. Oh. They get a great bar, restaurant that area. That bar is, I think, criminally mm-hmm. underrated. People forget yeah. like how beautiful that space is. And I had one recommendation that I'm supposed to check out, um, and that is the Butcher's Tale. Ah, I, I think yeah. that he, the guy that owns it, used to own the boar butcher and the boar maybe right similar like all the the chef is the same was the sausage maker yeah. at the original butcher and the boar and now it's all butcher cuts yeah like stuff you would see in an old-fashioned it's pretty meat cool market. so i kind of got to get down there and meet him and, and visit very good tina anderson congratulations on the business we're cheering for you up there Thank in anoka you. and people people need to remember to check out anoka like yeah. just a great great community thank you so much Jason. thanks tina queen of grilling tina madsen uh, and your blog is called? Sweet Tea's Kitchen. Sweet Tea's Kitchen. And all month in August, if you come in and visit us at Anoka Meats, if you buy three packs of brats, you get one pack free. Nice. Um, yesterday was National Bratwurst Day, so we're celebrating it all month. Ah, perfect. Every day should be Bratwurst Day as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Thanks, Tina. Thank Appreciate you. it. Hey, it's Jason DeRussia with a message from Minnesota's pig farmers. Discover the meat of the north. Pork. Pork is as Minnesotan as the lakes, trees, and people who call this state home. Did you know there are more than 30,000 pig farming families? They live and work in the North Star State, raising one of the safest, most delicious meats the whole world can enjoy. Pork is something we enjoy in the DeRussia family at least a few times a week. Maybe it's pork loin roast, shoulder, pork chops, ribs, huh, bacon. Oh, I'm getting hungry just talking about it. It's so affordable, too. If you're looking for recipes, MNPork.com's got them. Great recipes like dilled pork cutlets, Parmesan-crusted pork chops, and you can feel good about eating pork from Minnesota farmers. They've been reducing their carbon footprint with better genetics, new technologies, and more. Pick up pork tonight for dinner at your local meat market or grocery store. Let's have Minnesota pork for dinner. Oh, yeah. DeRussia Eats continues. Here's your host, Jason DeRussia. The Tuesday edition of DeRussia Eats is brought to you by the Minnesota Pork Board and Liquor Boy in St. Louis Park. 
Jill Holter from Wedge Community Co-ops can come into our studio anytime because look at all the all the groceries you brought, Jill. I like to bring the treats. I mean, it's one of the advantages of working uh, as the marketing director for the co-ops. It is. I get the latest, the best, the most delicious, and the most fun. And, of course, I bring those to you because I know that's what you're looking for. Co-ops are fascinating, and we're going to talk a little bit deeper about co-ops. And, and in Minnesota, we we sort of take it for granted because you don't have this culture of kind of community-owned uh, grocery co-op-type stores all over the country like you do here in the Twin Cities. But I want to start with sort of the big news that you guys have, have just unveiled with the Wedge Community Co-ops uh, some might consider this Linden Hills erasure, mm. but no. No, it's definitely So what not. are what are you guys doing? Um, we consolidated the uh, Wedge Co-op and Linden Hills Co-op consolidated in 2017. And at the time, um, just to kind of get used to the change, we did not pursue a name change. Everybody after, kept their separate identities. Everybody kept their separate identities. It was one company. And as it you It combined know, for yep, buying yep. power type stuff? Absolutely that. Yep. And as you know, um, marketing is easier when you have less to say. Yes. So uh, it was time to make the change. Um, we did a lot of research, a lot of interviews, talking to like longtime owners of both stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we consolidated, we were all one. So owner of the Wedge, owner of Linden Hills, we call them owners, they're members. And uh, we learned that the neighborhoods were really important to our identity. So there was no erasure. We're definitely naming the two stores. Like when you walk up in a month or so when you walk up to the Linden Hills co-op, it will say Wedge, but it will say Linden Hills. And then the store on Lindale will be Wedge Lindale. So we're keeping our neighborhood identities because we belong in those neighborhoods. And the people in those neighborhoods are important to us. What's the reaction been? Because it's it's different to rebrand a Mm co-op where your customers, uh, many of, not, you don't have to be an owner to shop at those stores, but many are owners. Yep. they have more of a say. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of years of emotion attached to this. What kind of reaction have you had? Yeah, well, we included them at the beginning mm-hmm. with interviews, um, focus groups, stakeholder um, sessions, and then uh, we did a large survey. So we really did get their input, and ultimately that turned into buy-in. You know, we had a couple of comments. Are, is Linden Hills being erased? You know, the wedge is the wedge. Linden Hills is a different neighborhood. But I would say 98% has been oh. very positive. They love the color. They love the design. They love um, kind of that unity and that strength that comes with one really great brand. And nationwide, the wedge really does have kind of that 50-year legacy brand built up. And we knew it was um, slightly stronger from a recognition standpoint. So that's what we went with. And it's been great. The wedge... Was established in 74? 74, and next year is our 50th anniversary. And yeah. Linden Hills has been around? Since 1976. So yeah. most Also of the, long, but, but yeah. the Wedge does have a national reputation. Yeah, it does. And most of the co-ops in the Twin Cities started in the early to mid-70s, so we're kind of all moving in the same direction mm-hmm. and changing yeah. with the times. Jill Holter is the marketing director for Wedge Community Co-ops. Did you consider just... Picking a new name instead of North Star Co-op, Midwest Co-op. You know, you throw some spaghetti against the wild. Did you think about the wild? Well, we thought about their logo first. Right. um, But we went with uh, what we 
uh, design. It makes um, sense. Yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah. Um, we didn't have to talk about it too long and hard. The third name just – we would lose those yeah. five decades yeah. of brand equity. Well, it's not that – I mean, to me, you think in the grocery space, we've seen some of this happen, mm-hmm. right? Kowalski's was – a part of like Red Owl yes, back in the day, yeah. and and Lunds and Byerleys were Byerly's was Byerleys, yeah, separate. But like I live in Maple Grove, our Byerleys, I think, became yes, it was a Byerleys yeah. became Lunds and Byerleys. But like they still have the the aisles are named after streets in yep. our community. Very so, local. So this yep. is not that different from nope. what you guys are doing. No, nope. and that's why we knew it would be successful. We really look to our peers in the co-op world and our peers in the local grocery world. And um, people around here really care a lot about what they eat and where they shop. It's very important to um, a Minnesotan's identity and a Twin Cityan's identity. And in the Twin Cities, we have the largest co-op members per capita than any other uh, metropolitan area in the country. So we're really into it here. Jill Holter is the marketing director for the Wedge uh, Community Co-op and Jill, why why is there such a legacy of co-op membership in the Twin Cities? Because it's it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, and I'm a little envious in the yeah. Grove. Like we don't have a. I know we don't have a co-op. <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to build you one up there. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I, it's for you. <laughs> you're going to cut the ribbon. Maybe I'll move. Yes. It seems yeah. more likely also, I would move closer. You're, you're, um, careening toward empty nesting, That's and right. I highly recommend a condo in Minneapolis. We're a couple years away from yeah. that. That being the reality. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it's our strong agricultural history. Um, food is grown right here. People have always felt connected to their farmers and growers and makers. And a co-op, kind of that spirit of um, cooperation, being connected to your food, people working together. I think that's kind of a Minnesota um, – it's in our DNA here. And just the 50 years that we continue to grow um, – you know, we were worried about the, all the competition in the last 10 years coming in with the larger national retailers, hmm. um, natural foods retailers coming in. How is that going to affect co-ops? Uh, the Twin Cities co-ops have grown about 46 percent over the last decade, which is about $80 million in growth, which if you're a huge retailer, that might be a year's business. But to co-ops, it means growth. It means new owners. It means we can support new emerging brands. Um, we can work with small farms. We can pay a fair price for what they're growing for us. So that strength just makes us better and makes your shopping trip better. It's so interesting to me, I think, the fact that co-ops, which really did start as sort of bare bones kind of staples, have really mm-hmm. become, you know, if you go to uh, the Wedge mm-hmm. in the wet in the uh, Lindale or Lindale, Linden Hills, yeah. Or if you go to Linden Hills, uh, you will see an inc- really an incredible selection mm-hmm. of uh Anything anybody would ever expect. Yeah, you can buy cleaning products, diapers, dog food, bulk, of course, produce and meat and seafood. I like, you know what my favorite thing? What do you love? <laughs> Tell get. me. Well, the coffee selection is very, very good. Oh, my goodness. At the Wedge. There's but, so much good coffee. Yes, but I like that you can make uh, peanut butter yeah. from peanuts. Yes, so and you push the button from and it squirts out. It does. The, and I love it. It's so good. Yep. Smells great when people are grinding their own <laughs> peanut butter right there. It's, um, you know, it was, this is a counterculture movement. Uh, the hippies started this. They wanted different food and better food. They wanted lower food miles, even though maybe they didn't say those words in the 70s. Right. So grinding your own peanut, peanut butter is about as co-op as you can get. We have in the Twin Cities... What are there now? Nine? 
Um, yeah, we have two stores. Lakewinds has three. Seward has two. Valley Natural Foods. Mississippi Market has three. You know, there's multiple co-ops with multiple locations. And I think everybody's got kind of a growth-minded strategy, which is another reason why we um, kind of refreshed our brand. Because if we're going to go to market in another store yeah. or if there's a future consolidation, yeah. we need a good name and yeah. we need a strong brand. The name is The Wedge. Our guest is Jill Holter. We're going to take a break. We'll come back and talk about one of the great things, I think, about the co-op culture is the fact that you give a lot of businesses, local businesses, a place to sell their their stuff. And so we'll talk about some of the things you brought in studio today. Plus, get Jill is big foodie. You've been mm-hmm. around the co-op uh, movement for a long time, mm-hmm. but you've also been around restaurants for a long time. I so like to eat. We will get your three uh, recommendations mm-hmm. for our audience, too. It's 419 to Russia Eats is brought to you by the Minnesota Pork Board. And by Liquor Boy, we appreciate their support, and we appreciate you listening. There's a podcast version of this as well. You can search to Russia Eats wherever you get podcasts. We're talking co-ops in Derusha Eats here on Drive Time with Derusha. So glad to have you with us, and glad to have Jill Holter, who I've known for a long time, with us. Uh, she is the marketing director for the Wedge Community Co-ops, uh, two locations, both uh, branded under the Wedge name. Uh, and so good luck to you guys as you move forward in that. One of the, one of the things I mentioned that I love about co-ops is the fact that you give small startups or small farms or restaurants an ability to kind of have a spot on a shelf, which Mm -hmm. I think people don't realize maybe how big of a deal that is. Yeah. But you guys also work with people to try to help them learn how to label and market and all of that too. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, when a new brand is uh, ready to go to market or they think they're ready to go to market, <laughs> one of the best ways to find out if they are is a direct connection to a purchasing department. Mm. If you're trying to get into a massive retailer, you're going to get – you're going to wait for months to hear from anybody. Somebody's in a cube with a box of samples. Um, so we do. We, You know, if we believe a product is promising but they're missing – some important stuff on their label, or maybe they haven't analyzed the category correctly and they might want to, you know, tweak their packaging. We'll tell them that. And yeah. that's a service you're not going to get. Is there a category that people bring to you uh, more than any other? Hot sauce. It's hot sauce. I hot knew sauce. it. I knew it. There's I a fe- lot of hot sauce. Why <laughs> so many hot sauces? Because everybody loves hot sauce. I mean, how many hot sauces do you have in your fridge? Be honest. At least a dozen. Yeah. See, and then that's I probably have another make. dozen in my yep. fr- in my. But most of them, people sent me as samples. How many have I paid for? That's a different. Well, question. that's your job. That's yeah, a different that's, question. That's your deal. I do think there's something to the sort of backyard chef mm-hmm. who makes a hot sauce, and all their buddies yep. say, "Oh, you should sell those." Oh, dude, bottle it. It's so yeah. good, and you're mm-hmm. like, "Well, what's your differentiator?" Yeah. Well, you know what? There's but there a lot are of, some good ones. You brought Crybaby Craig's, and yep. he's a great story. He is, and this is a hot honey. So you take the best of the hot sauce, you take a local honey, and hot honey is on everything. Fried chicken, pizza. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's everywhere. I'm not going to put it on my toast maybe, but I might put it on a lot of other things. So that's a really fun collaboration. But, yeah. He's in Fairboat now. He was yeah. based in Minneapolis, but yeah. he moved his operation out there, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, you brought some Lowry Hill Provision sausage. Yeah, too. they've... It's another uh, 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 
great pivot for them. As it, it is. Yep. We were, of course, sad to see our neighbors close up on Hennepin there. but They were a butcher shop, Lowry Hill Meats. Yep, yep. yep. But they're at the food building, which is an amazing place for local food. And they're turning out all of the salumis and chorizo, and now they've launched um, sausages. So I brought you some farmer sausage. It looks great. Like the label is good. All of these things are part of how we shop. Yeah. Yep. Well, um, co-ops major in storytelling. Hmm. So the brands that want to succeed at that local level know that their packaging has to tell a story. Their product yeah. and their packaging has to tell a story, uh, story in a very short space. So, yeah, um, we launched some brands. We were the first retail location for Baba's Hummus. Huh? We were the first retail location. And now, of course, for, they, they have. Right across the street from And they'll from be the at Lindale. the fair, but yeah. they've got a new location in Minneapolis. And it's delicious. We're, very nice. And it's yeah. so fun to see our friends grow and succeed. Um, we were the first retail store that launched um, Boom Chicka Pop. So back in the day when Angie was Angie making popcorn, wow! Yeah, we launched Gustola Granola at the um, oh, yeah. Linden Hills Co-op. It's another good. Um, one. We are the first store to have Union Monk Kitchen sauces available in our meat department. So I brought you some um, lemongrass scallion marinated chicken skewers that you can put on your grill. Um, Yia Vang, of course, is the master of amazing flavor. So we're really we feel really lucky to have his marinades and sauces. We're hoping that he gets his package stuff back up and running again after the fair because we'd love to see those on our shelf. As fall uh, emerges, mm-hmm. hard to talk about today when yeah, it's 100 please, degrees. Please but emerge fall. Apples, really, what yeah. you start seeing coming in? Yep, apples. Um, there's a few things, depending on the season, that people just obsess about. And the co-ops is where they obsess about it. So morel mushrooms, mm, fiddlehead yeah. ferns. Yes. Nothing says spring like those. In the summertime, when's that first local corn coming from Featherstone? When are those tomatoes coming in from Twin Organics? I brought you apples today because we have the very first apples of the season from Hoke Orchard. Um, these are the Williams Pride apples. Um, I have it on good authority that next week we'll be seeing some first kiss. And what was the other one I told you when we were talking in the hallway? Uh, Honeycrisp? No, too early for Honeycrisp. Too early for Honeycrisp. Anyway. What's the other one? First kiss is first and then it's... uh, I I said it. Whatever. You did say Um, it. There are more um, apples (laughs) coming in from both Hoke and from Whistling Well Orchards. Jill Holter is the marketing director for Wedge Community Co-ops. Before we go, Jill, your Mm -hmm. three restaurant recommendations for people. All right. I had to discuss it with my family. Number one, hi, hi. We love it. Oh, yeah. We love high high. We love eating in. We love taking out. Uh, Mara for special occasions. That's kind of, um, you know, recently in the top. But Gavin Kaysen does hospitality and food perfectly. I feel like Mara also in the Four Seasons, people, oh. if you look at other Four Seasons, which yeah. are in different communities, are mm-hmm. priced way beyond what we normal people would be able to go to. We Minnesotans. You can go to yeah. Mara mm-hmm. in this Incredible hotel and have a great meal. Yes, very true. And not break the bank. No, you it's can, expensive, but yeah. it's like not. But it's insane. approachable yeah. for more people than right. a typical Four Seasons. And my last one, near and dear to my heart, and I know you love this person, uh, Abagnoli, because mm. my son Carlton works there. Yes. and Jamie is—you've had Jamie uh, on here. He's incredible. Also a master of flavor. So master of flavor. Those are my top three right now. Excellent. Very good. Jill, it's always great to see you. Fun to see you, Jason. Uh, support your local co-ops. It's a it's a unique, sort of quirky, fun thing that we have here in Minneapolis uh, and, it's be- and, and St. Paul, but it's because people yeah. support it. That's we why we love have it. our co-op community. Yeah. Jill, thank you. Thank you.
Thanks so much for listening to the DeRussia Eats podcast. On WCCO Radio, 830 AM, we do conversations with chefs, with farmers, with small business people every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. The podcast is available every week. If you enjoyed what you heard, I would love for you to leave us a review. Give us however many stars you can. I don't know, 10, 20 stars would be nice, five stars, and leave your feedback as well. It really helps us grow and helps support covering the food community here at WCCO Radio and in the DeRussia Eats podcast. If you'd like to email me with an idea or a question about the restaurant scene, you can email jason at odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com, jason at odyssey dot com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the DeRussia Eats podcast. Thanks for listening to DeRussia Eats. Dan Cook is our producer. Jason DeRussia is your host. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. DeRussia Eats is a production of Odyssey.